tall you in little little boy shorts and a little oh I can just see it that would be so cute the if my wife's watching uh, <laughs> or listening even there then, could be a then I didn't have these ideas it was you, Pam's fault you should dress up for, that would be what a great Halloween costume that, that you'd be like sexy schoolboy <laughs> like tall <laughs> sexy English schoolboy it's that's Halloween I, you know I wondered what I'd wear for that next gig at the improv and uh, you've solved that problem it's for me t- I was like I'll wear my lucky jacket now we're talking thongs and school shorts Just, I'm liking that yeah what are thongs not th- our thongs are different than your thongs thongs are like girly pants that have no butt girly underwear what are your thongs what else, would I, what else would I wear I, I don't know people call thongs different things like some people think they're flip flops they think you those are thongs you cannot cover your genitalia with a sandal <laughs> not and get the support you so need so a thong okay so a girl thong yeah. I feel we strayed from the topic yeah well <laughs> Jesus I don't think they wore underwear at all well I so me and Jesus a loincloth surely but they were wearing robes. I think it must have been just for ease, like because they're also pooping on the ground to get back to the squalor. Weren't like biblical times squalorific? Like, were I mean, what? How old do I look? No, I don't know. But you seem to have knowledge of. You've been. You've been. We used to run that country schools. as well after the war. We fucked that one up as well. <laughs> Palestine. We created that. You're really? welcome. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We uh, we, we we screwed up so but that, many things. But I think that wasn't that supposed to be helpful because like. Quite we, often we, we were being helpful. We were, because the United States were like, yeah, let's form Israel, even though that was someone else's country. And then we're like, this is a country now. And then they said, well, let's put all the Muslims over here in Palestine. Didn't we have a part of that too? You know what? There was a, there was a number of senators that were quite keen on the idea. It's like we're kind of repeating that cycle again right now. But to be fair... This was because it wasn't just uh, Israel at the time. We also had our hands in this thing called Iraq and, oh. and Iran, and we were creating borders. And rather than look at actual geography, we looked at a map, and some mm-hmm. guys in Oxford got a ruler out and said, oh, this won't cause any problems. Uh, we, we did the same in India a couple of years' time and the oh, creation of Pakistan. It's because we didn't know that, or the, it didn't have the study or the knowledge of the people. No, we, and no, we didn't care. Oh. A big, huge difference. We were like... And, you know, uh, they're, they're all wonderful fuzzy wuzzies. I'm sure they'll all get on well with one another. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll just say anybody on this side of the line is, uh, is, is that and on that side is the other. And, um, no, no, it'll be fine. be fine. Tea, absolutely wonderful. Ooh, Tiffin. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean, that's, it just blows my mind to think of it in that way because... Three guys in Oxford. I mean, I feel like we did the same thing in Vietnam. We totally screwed up Vietnam because we didn't understand the culture, what was going on. We didn't understand why the northern people were into the communism or how. Maybe we backed, maybe back in the south was wrong. We didn't even know because we didn't know the culture. We didn't know the language. We had people, we didn't know the roads, the topography, the weather, none of it. And we're like, let's put a bunch of money in and we're going to get these and then bad words and stuff and they all look the same. Uh, and But it was our cultural ignorance that made that war last for 30 years uh yeah it's, it's the principle <laughs> yeah. it's there's, there's this there's this English person called Jeremy Clarks and he's a bit of an ass uh has a TV program now on Amazon and he create well, not he curated this phrase which a lot of British people use and I've used it how hard can it be you take the most complex issue having a kid uh creating countries solving cultural issues and you apply the simple prism 
how hard can it be? <laughs> and you can screw up anything for 30 years on that basis. You'll make a commitment. Like, how hard could it be to change a government in Iraq? Turns out... Pretty hard. How hard is it to change it a diaper? I know, I've got that shit down one-handed now. Yeah, really? Oh, yeah. We're two and a half years in. I got that yeah. thing. I'm like, you know... I have a nanny thing I do where I do it when they're standing. I just... I can... I can change diapers when they're standing up easier than any laying down proposition. We're talking boys, girls, or both? Both. 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 I'm, I've been. Because with boys, you've got like a hook you can use. <laughs> yeah. Well, the and the thing is, it's they're easy. I do right now. I'm hanging out with a young lady who's just turned two, and she's still in the diapers, and. Uh, Standing up, it's hard sometimes with the poop, though. Well, I was gonna say because you just gotta get into with all the smear. You gotta get in, and you gotta front to back. Uh, right, exactly. Do not, yeah, never do not back fuck to that front. one up. Yeah, no, That's, can't. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. But uh, it's it's yeah, it's hard to get in there. I, I wonder why we don't have little baby bidets. Do they? I mean, in Europe, do they stick there? Do English people have bidets? Are you are you guys really into to butt cleanliness? First of all. <laughs> You just committed a bit of a faux pas. You confused me with the French. Oh, but no, the Italians are the ones that I knew that had bidets. I just well, figure they, everyone they do, in Europe. But the, it's, it's, it's the French that really went to town, and I, I believe they do have the more fungal vagina issue. <laughs> um, one assumes that's the case. Uh, I've only known, assume my wife's not listening, I've only known a few French vaginas. Um, and um, I mean, I'd rate them quite highly. Um, now, whether that was uh, down to Kegel exercises or a bidet, who knows? Right. Um, but um, yeah, we did have a, we took we, we went to Paris uh, a year ago and change uh, with the monkey, and um, she thought they were great. And <laughs> and there was this, especially when she found out there was tabs that she could access. Oh no! Which otherwise forbidden at home. Of um, course. You know, drought and you know, and she can flood anything, and yeah, that was. Did she um, see it like a like a um, water fountain? Yeah, it was. Dude, stop it! Don't ooey. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's there's a reason why my kid looks like she's got bits of. You know, you have to get the peel the um, duct tape off her. Yeah. It's like you're not touching that again. <laughs> uh, are you raising your child uh, religious in any way? My wife is. Your wife is. <laughs> your wife is raising your child religious. You're going along with it. I'm. I'm. I'm committed to her being part of a good community. Right on. So obviously, white middle class with healthcare. <laughs> um, no, it, it's a real. Um, you know, it comes back to the it, religion didn't just start it. This was. A, it, it was you know, my personal belief is it was a control tool. It was a community control tool. Establish acceptable norms and then say the big invisible man said that's what you've got to do. Mm-hmm. And you know, the principle of sheeple. Right. And it's it, quite effective. You know why built you know why churches are so tall? So God can look down on you. Oh, I thought it was so the priest can jump off and commit suicide. <laughs> um well, See, I don't think the, that's that I just well, mean, I, they I, don't do that. Do well, they do that? Nuns. Nuns. They threaten the choir boys. Well, if you don't want to take your, your little vesticles off and uh, expose your little testicles, then uh, off the top you'll go, little boy. <laughs> um No, uh, it, it's um uh, I always thought nunneries were interesting. That that was like I've watched wh- those films. <laughs> why, why would you want? Why would you ask 
I just understand in order to have a relationship with God or whatever, maybe it was to be taken care of if you didn't get married and to have kids then you had to be a nun unless if you didn't do that you were a witch like you have three choices like you could be a nun a witch or a wife maybe and so you're like well I don't like dudes so I guess I'll be a nun two things yeah. first of all uh, my wife has been watching this call the midwife program oh um, you know, I'm sure it's on Netflix it's, it's on, on the Netflix, Netflix it yeah. is I haven't seen and it yet uh, you know, this is the start of the NHS, the National Health Service in the UK, and the nuns were involved in the labor because they always had been because, you know, God wants to make sure he's got more um, acolytes, so make sure they survive childbirth. Um, but, so I'm not a good person. <laughs> right, never mind. And so it's interesting to watch, you know, there, there's all the, these are young nuns. And, like, and to your point, why you you know you look you're attractive you made it to a tv casting you had choices <laughs> but but to the <laughs> maybe I, maybe i mixed up a few things there but the to to, to the nuns and the marrying jesus my I, I say this i joked and i think it's a joke that my uh, you know my little ones she's not going to be dating you know, as a father, yeah. I'm not comfortable with the idea. She's only two and change. <laughs> We've got 14 years of, of, of planning on this one. And I said to somebody, I said, she's, she's going to go straight into the convent to marry Jesus. Yeah. And uh, this person said to me, I think you'll find she's going to date Jesus. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And, and I, it's a struggle. I, I don't understand it, but, but I do understand it. It's, it was it was it was a choice. You look at when the nunnery, you know, the, the British nunneries, you know, pre-Reformation, and it was we need X amount of people to pray for the rich people who are doing bad things. I mean, you literally could pay for your sins. Wow. Um, and and what better way? Well, we're going to have a good weekend of debauchery, but don't worry, we've got a couple of uggos. We're going to uh, throw those in the nunnery to pray for us, cleanse our souls. We're all good. Um, bring on the sex dwarfs. You know? <laughs> I I always just thought that I well I was raised originally. I went I went to I saw my first dead body when I was like seven, and it was a it was a wake. But is the wake the right word? It was it was in a Catholic thing, and my grandmother was Catholic, and so I had to go to this thing. And there was a dead lady in front of us, and she, I was related to her somehow, like she was some great aunt or something. If and there's drinking, it's a wake. It wasn't drinking. It was in a church. So maybe it was a, a real funeral. A view, a, what might be a, a viewing. viewing. Yeah. Yeah. And there were all these nuns there because I guess this lady was a nun. And one of them asked me, she said, are you going to be a good little nun when you grow up? And I was like, no, I'm not even Catholic. Like, I don't, what are you, why would you ask me that? And I was, I ended up offending people. And I just remember like, a being freaked out about being like, why would you, why would you want little girls to think that that's a thing that they'd want to be? That's so weird. Like, yeah, I want to wear. I have a few ideas. I, well, I mean, so is it the idea that? But then that's the other thing. Is it why is a woman's having sex so like carefully tended to as a dad or whatever? Like that, that's like a thing that you're like, oh my god, boys are going to do terrible things to her. Like I'm fine with the sex. It's the heartbreak. It's the emotional uh, side of things. Huh. I, maybe that's just me being a little bit strange there. Like I accept that she's going to I accept that she's going to. I can't get further than that. Me and my psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah. We've <laughs> got we've got a few years. Yeah, 14 and Jane. But um, maybe 30 if I'm lucky. But 
But it's the, I don't want her to get hurt. Uh, it's the emotional hurt. And I, that, huh. those are the things which... That's very sweet. Um, or controlling. <laughs> or, yeah. Well, I, but you can, I mean, being a nun, then you, then you just have all these other things to hurt yourself about and feel terrible and you're not you're never being a nun would be terrible because you're never good enough Jesus is the worst because it just makes you feel like you'll never be good enough uh, he, he did set a somewhat high bar yeah. um, I mean the whole you know uh, essentially suicide right um, see what what troubles me and I, not, I love the fact that you know Christianity can't agree on things yeah like, so we're all the same but completely different right um, yeah I love to see a, a Catholic and a Lutheran in a bar fight um, <laughs> but I have real issues with it and I mean like fundamental issues with original sin ah uh. this this one daunts me because you know I, I remember being I, I got confirmed when I was, I don't know, 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to suit. think of the things which I did that were so bad that I had to be cleansed of them. Hmm. I mean, there was a magnifying glass, there were some ants, there was an accident. <laughs> um, I used to pop ants with magnifying glasses. That was mean. But the fact that, the idea that this, this delightful little creature who had just been born some five or six weeks after she was born she was she was christened baptized whatever you wish and there were some words in there about cleansing her of her i had real i mean to be fair i was just doing this so that you know my mom would include the kid in the will i mean let's be honest (laughs) about this this was this was an investment you know mom's in town after the thing what can we do this nice put the water on the baby Water in the baby, sure. God's sake, don't make her a godparent. She might be, you know, if she follows the example of being a parent, then uh, I'm joking, mother. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm sure godparents are a lot of fun. But no, I, I understand that that's, for some people, it's still, all of these rituals have a lot of meaning. For my grandmother. They have, like, a, a, like if you don't baptize the child, you're damning your child to hell. How dare you? You're, And it's like, wow, this ritual that we all... But then that I find so interesting because it it so closely relates to witchcraft, and yet we burn so many witches. So it's like, light some candles, pray on some water, and do some stuff. But that's only okay if you do it in a church with a priest. If you do it like, you know, over a cauldron with a cat, you're a witch. I, I mean, it's just stew. Sometimes, sometimes a stew is just a stew. No, someone told me. Someone made a very similar thing the other day, and they said, "If you do it in your own house, it's like Uber for religion. You're doing it in your own environment with your own tools." And I thought that's, that's a little bit strange. And they explained it further, and it just got stranger. Then I realized, don't have in-depth conversations with a meth head. <laughs> Uh, while on meth, which I yeah. I was just casually unaware. Yeah, just there was a guy on meth last night outside. Or we don't know. I don't know. It could have been crack. Who knows? It could have been fentanyl. But it was outside of. I work at a, a bar twice a week, and um, he was in the ground, and he had broken a window, and there were all these shards of glass, and he was like 
sort of like picking them up and going through them and then putting like little tiny ones into another bag and he was just sitting there like in like in the gutter what do you do like so for me as a former christian like what is my social responsibility to this like am i the good samaritan is that not do i walk by like you know the like the pharisee oh i am so late for my meeting and it's important with the god and so he didn't help the man in the ditch and then the other guy well i there was he had some other reason and then this the guy who would be unclean to touch saved him not very nice okay but like now i sometimes that even even having a history with um you know my lord and savior jesus christ it what I mean, walking around San Francisco, what is our responsibility to our fellow man? Do we have one? Like, is that what religion is about? Like, so that we won't fuck each other up all the time? Or is it not we go, well, they have original sin and they haven't, you know, drank of the blood of the Father, so. Like. I, I, I struggle on this one, and it's interesting. I, not, not wishing to be political about it, but it's kind of like, I, I believe we're all born on the left. We believe in the good of humanity, and we're all going to contribute to society. Then we have a little bit of money, and and suddenly we start thinking more in the concept of mine. And then, and I'm I'm I am really lucky. I mean, I'm a kid with no education. Um, I pretty much trade on the accent. That's it. <laughs> I'm as dumb as a second hammer. But your people have the Oxford and it's just a, a systemized education. You didn't no. take advantage of it. Oh no, I got expelled several times. Oh. oh I, I didn't even finish high school. I had to go back and get my sort of GED equivalency. Wow. Um, yeah. Trade on that accent. There you go. Uh, well, the, the, I had some brains that somehow I ended up with a couple of patents on the use of artificial intelligence and IT security systems. Wow. You know, yeah, go figure that. And, and yet, you know, I much rather be on a stage with a with a mic than uh, than you know writing security copy. But you kind of get this. You, you as soon as you get this concept of mine, you start drifting. I mean, there was a point when I thought Margaret Thatcher was quite a good person. Oh, she's not. Um. Not for a lot of people, mm. um, you know, tax the poor, give money oh. back. Um, you have to bear in mind, we basically took a photocopier to Reagan's economic principles. Oh, trickle said, down doesn't work. Yeah, we thought that'd be a great idea. Uh, liberalize everything, sell off all the national assets, national, you know. When, well, uh, it's not treacle down, it's trickle down. I can understand how treacle down would be nice because a nice treacle pie would be. Treacle tart. You could treacle tart. You could, it's not a tri- treacle down. I theory. wondered how quickly we'd get to. to, to, to <laughs> no, but trickle-down theory. I just was making a funny Do you want me to do my Paul voice at this point? Oh my God, I'm, you have I'm a Paul voice? Oh, I'm from the same part of the world. See, I, I spent a lot of my time working time in London. Uh-huh. If I use my natural family voice, then I sound like Paul. I'm from the same part of town as Paul, from, from the same part of the world, from Yorkshire. And we sound like this. Yorkshire, Yorkshire pudding is the best, one of the best foods ever created. Oh, it's wonderful. The, the, out, the, out that you can dip in gravy <laughs> is, is wonderful. See, I don't understand Americans. Your concept, you like biscuits and gravy. Now, for me, that's a cookie a bis- with oh, some jus. Now, why would you put a chocolate chip cookie with some beef jus? That makes no sense. Right, because a gravy is but different But you, you took what we call a scone and went rogue. Right. And called it a biscuit. And then gravy, you decided, should be made from flour, butter, and meat drip. Yes. What do you make? Your gravy is just a... It's you with a bit of of cornstarch in it. Huh. Um, You know, that's... You just went off on one. You were like, how many calories can we put in it? I believe Paula Dean was just the, you know, the 19th incantation of the first person who wanted to kill everybody. (laughs) Well, we, we we like butter a lot. 
Yeah, I guess it, a biscuit is a scone, except the biscuit's a cookie. Exa- well, exactly. For a you, bi- right. A, exactly. Yeah, it's the um, chips and fries thing. But I, this is the thing I don't understand about, like, why, why did we shit on England's cuisine for so long when you guys really weren't fucking it up like we in America we have this thing like British people's food is shit it's gross and stupid like that's what I was taught when I was little did did you didn't but I was like why do Americans do this British Bay show's great like and the people are so nice and they have those funny accents they're so fun and they're nice to each other it's it's the least American thing ever. Any American TV show, there's so much drama. I and mean, then she's just all like, Lara. And then they do all that like first awful all, stuff. First of all, let's just get this out of the way. I think we're both glad that, was it Ra- Raul? Raul? Uh, yes, Raul won. Ra- that Raul won because otherwise he was going to top himself. <laughs> I mean, there was going to be a celebration, little garden party, and they were going to pan back to the tent and he was going to be strung up from a chandelier. Absolutely. There was no two ways about it. He was so not confident about anything. I'm like, did your parents beat you? Does everyone get beaten in India as a child? Like, yes. is that what happens? Yes, they do. That's Just on the street. <laughs> you are nothing, you suck. I said, a good friend of mine at, at work, I work with a good number of, sort of Indian nationals and Korean nationals, and they both compare childhoods. Like, they compare stress positions that they were forced to sit in when they got a B. What? I mean, seriously. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The, it, it, the pressure. It, but the pressure of... Uh, it comes back to the... It actually comes back to where we started this conversation. Education, the value of it. People understand that, you know, you are going to stay where you are within your social class, your caste, wherever. And the only way to move up is through education. And so it's a... It's to be a doctor. I'm not drinking. I've cut my drinking by a good two-thirds since the kid was born. Wow, good for you. And and the kid has a college fund. It's not a coincidence. (laughs) These things are linked. Wow. Wow, that's interesting. Well, that's one of the reasons why I'm was never going to have kids is I really love drinking. Like I love it. I love it on a Tuesday. I love it on a, on a weird day. I mean, I, I have to limit it now because my body just isn't letting me cause I'm old lady now, but like I love drinking. And if I would have had a kid, I still would have loved drinking. And then I would have been a bad parent. You I know mean, what I mean? If I may quote um, St. Kavanaugh, I love beer. <laughs> I love beer. Beer can make bread. I know I love, I would drink, I, but I get it, like being a good parent and and drinking and having and using that particular drug as much as you want are, are just not things that can go together. It's not that. It's having the ability to stay awake. So, like, the kid's bedtime, her wind-down routine has become mine. Oh. Oh, if I can stay awake 15 minutes past her bedtime, I'm amazed these days. It's, wow. I've really settled into this. I, I'm, I'm informed. Are you a stay-at-home dad? No, God, no. I'm, okay. No, my no wife, you're the IT thing. No, my okay. wife suffers okay. um, terribly, me and the kid. Um, <laughs> she's raising two children, as she says. Um, but uh, no, I'm, my, I, it's, it's incumbent on me. I, I make sure I get home in time for, uh, for bedtime because that's, that's, that's my opportunity to shine and to take the burden off the wife so she can actually get, get out of mommy brain for a few minutes. She can watch British Bake Show as opposed to... Um, Oh, what's the Mr. Rogers Tiger thing called? I keep, uh, Daniel Tiger. Oh, that's a new. I haven't. I know. I don't do screen time with when I hang out with kids because it freaks me out and like I just can't watch that. Like Thomas the Train. Like I'll start to memorize things. Like I'll if I have to watch it too much, 
I just I just can't do it. I have to like play games. Yeah, who'd have thought Ringo would be better voiceover than he was a drummer? Um, that beat is me that up. Ringo's voice? That's Ringo. The, Mr. The, the, Topham Hat. The the that's his Ringo that does the introduction. I don't I, know what the voices he is, but um, that's that's great. Yeah, next time you listen to Ubla Di and then Thomas the Tank Engine, you're not doing drugs. That's oh. the same voice. Oh man! But no, Peppa Pig and uh, and and Daniel Tiger are our two. Um, like when the meltdown is too long, like we don't have to beat or strangle the child like I was. <laughs> we can give her a friggin' iPad. Oh, I see. It's like okay, before we have to call child protection services and turn ourselves in. Take that and go into your corner and be happy. Right, right, right. And we'll come back in 20 minutes and love you again. Right, yeah, sure. You know, car journeys with an iPad, because I spy with a two-year-old is pretty limited. Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're just not that intelligent. It's shoes and noses. <laughs> <laughs> go, uh, the new one, uh, it's not new, It's but it's good. It's the Charlie and Lola. Although, oh. if you have, it, you only have one child, so... You won't, you don't want her to have a brother or sister, do you? Because that's what that's all that book makes one. If you're an only child and you read Charlie and Lola, it just they're like, when am I getting a brother? I I'm, I'm I'm rather keen on the idea. Oh, good. Um, well, then read Charlie and Lola. It's really Mrs. good. Mrs. Garside is less keen. Uh, I think it's mainly because she has to carry it uh, um, and give birth to it. Do, do, does the existence of babies and having your own now, does that make you believe more in the existence of a God? So this is, this is, this, this, you know, as I was thinking about this in the last couple of days, you know, coming here and I was, I was like, no, that's it. I'm done with the religion. So I, I told you the Africa thing. And then I went to it a couple of years ago, I, a couple more than 20 nearly 20 years ago I went to India and the drive from Mumbai airport to my hotel was the most spiritually harrowing of my life oh my god what did you see so so you're flying in and flying into the airport and you can see the slums as you're flying in you can you're flying in literally over the slums and the first 30 minutes of the journey are through the slums and people first of all there are people with disfigurements second of all people disfigure themselves to be a better beggar what they will break their arms in multiple places they will put them through they will break fingers and get all twisted up and you know there's tales uh, of people, you know, being sprayed with acid to be a better beggar. You know, oh, you'll make much more money if your half, you know, the left hand side of your face is melted off. Wow! And they are at the windows begging. And I mean, this isn't just you know your guy on the you know panhandler on the other street. I mean, like, this is pro level begging. And I'm going through this, and I I see you see the kids running around, and I always had this principle. I. I wonderful guy I worked with um, years ago taught me never eat in hotel restaurants. Oh. You, you won't learn anything of the culture of the places that you're in by eating in a hotel restaurant. There's always going to be Pastor Alfredo, whether you're in <laughs> Thailand, South Africa, or America. You right. know, you'll learn nothing. And so I always, as a habit, would say to the whichever team I was supporting, wherever, look, um, either let's have dinner at your favorite hole in the wall or let's have dinner at your house. You know, let's, let's do something different. Right. And I, I spent a little bit of time, tiny bit of time, and I'm talking like hours, in one of these slums in Mumbai. 
And that was the minute where I, I'm done with religion. Really? I'm done. Because there is nothing these people have done to deserve that. Why would God create a parasite whose sole ambition, its sole purpose in life is to burrow into a child's eyeball? Why would he do that? Why Why could, the, you know, why... I see there is no value to this suffering. That they're, they're not learning from it. They're not becoming better because of it. Sure. This is just some colonial claptrap to say, well, you know, if you're good, then in the next life, things will be better. And, and I was like, no, no, no. We as a society created this shit show. No, I, and I agree with that. I think we and, and what we said is, well, we've done all we can. This is, this is, this is Jesus. Or Divesh, or Allah, or you know, I and unfortunately at that point, I decided that the Torah, the Bible, the Quran, and all of the holy books would have only the same weight and value as Harry Potter. Ah! Because they're all magical stories, <laughs> they're all inspirational, and they're all about the good guy winning. But let's let's not let's not beat around the bush, you know. It's the, it's the same. It, I I was like, wow, okay. These people did nothing to deserve. No one deserves this. I'd like to believe in Harry Potter. That's a fun religion. I mean, that whole Hermione thing with the little time saver, the little thingy babob that she'd turn upside down and she could stop time and go do something else. I was Hermione, like, dang. Hermione, Hermione is an issue. <laughs> because because she's a witch <laughs> no witch bit's fine and the time stuff and the cloak and all that stuff I'm fine what I'm worried about is that I you know this is like I've seen this kid grow up I mean she's now fulsome uh. and yet she wasn't you know in number one and it, it, it's kind of like does that not make me a pervert well uh, the question is if I mean I am there's no questions yeah I mean <laughs> No, it's like watching. I don't think that. Okay, so I've had the same quandary when um, my boyfriend. I hate the word boyfriend. It's so infantilizing. My partner, life partner, which sounds gay. Like I don't know what to call him anyway. My my a special hug buddy. Current that shag. I, my, yeah, that I've lived with. But shag is too t- transitory. We've been living together for like forever now. It's like oh, we've been together for like five years. So, anyways, this guy. <laughs> He has these pictures of himself in high school and younger, and he made me watch this video of him playing football as a child. And, like, I've seen pictures of him, like, his high school yearbook. He played water polo, and he was, like, a sexy 15. He was, like, I'm, like, whoa. Like, I have. Filled a Speedo, did he? It's not about the size of the day. It's, like, he has a tummy. I I don't know where I went. Yeah, okay. He had the six-pack, eight-pack thing and the little, the muscles. Well, he still has a lovely tummy, but... The 15-year-old pictures of him. Now, that's not my fault. That doesn't make me, like, into... I mean, he was in... I would have been into him when I was 15, I'm sure, as well. But, I mean... I don't know. I don't know where we're going with this. I have I have one I have one joke that people... And I love to do it, and people don't always let me. But it's... We'll see, because you're a parent if you think it's too gross. Having sex on top of a baby is not pedophilia. 
I'm, I'm just being a good nanny, right? Like, I'm getting banged from behind, so I'm having a good time. The baby can only see, like, 15 inches in front of its face anyway. So I'm smiling. It's smiling. We're having a good time. And just because the baby's first words are, uh, uh, doesn't make me a bad nanny. You know, I'm, I'm fine with that. And okay. don't worry, my darling wife, if you listen to it, I'm not going to do any of the jokes you know I'm thinking about right now. <laughs> but having sex on top of a baby, it's not bad. I, sometimes the kid falls asleep and you suddenly find yourself with the energy you didn't expect. Right. And and there's nothing That's wrong. brother ain't going to come from nowhere. Right. At some point, mommy and daddy are going to have to hold hands again. Right. Well, and the thing is that, like, you're fine. You can pretty much do anything in front of a baby until they're, like, two. Two and a half is when they start, once they start developing language and they can, like, and then they're like, what are you doing? Then you're like, Fuck. Yeah, we, we we still we still shower and everything like a family and stuff. And That's I just, cute. I we, it's Swedish. Yeah. You can get away with that stuff till like you're 13, 15, I think. Um, showering. The plus of Eureka, it still goes on into your fifties. There's nothing wrong with saving water. Oh, is that why they do it? <laughs> oh, well, that makes so much more sense than my thoughts. Okay, fine. Oh, well, having a baby, how much has your life changed since, I mean, is it, it's just a hundred percent different. Like you, you, you go to bed super early now, you watch dumb TV shows, you, I don't watch them TV almost shows believe I'm, in God. I'm, I'm pathological. This is where me and my wife argue. I don't, um, I say I don't watch TV and I, I can't stand TV. I, I believe it intellect. It just dumbs you down. I love yeah. reading and. Uh, and I'm one of those people I'm blessed I, I love my work and so I don't email at night but I love reading about the research and stuff that goes on around what I do wow so like non-fiction reading even. yeah I, it's just I love learning I really do love learning I love I love to challenge myself intellectually I, I love to throw myself into something I don't understand and just learning as we go but uh, I can't stand having the TV on in the bedroom when I I can't sleep. It's like I need it off, and that's yeah. That'll probably be the cause of our divorce. Uh, she likes to fall asleep with the TV on. Yeah, it's uh, it's something that that's a bad habit. I, you know what? I mean, you should. Yeah, uh, Danica, you heard it. Uh, no, it Pam is says it, it that long, you're going to hell. I was I know, yeah, you're damned. My my uh, ex husband. And, I and that's why, right? Because of the because TV. of the TV. No, if there's many reasons. Uh, if she ever off, offers up the butt, you know that you're, she's going to leave you the next day. That's just a little uh, pro tip. Uh, but so my ex-husband just writing that one down. Yeah, if she ever said be like, "Oh my God, are we okay? What do I have to do? Flowers, chocolates? What do you need, honey? I'll rub your feet." Um, but my ex-husband, we used to think that we were, you know, better than everybody else because we didn't have a TV in the bedroom because he read something in the early thousands about like having a TV in your bedroom is bad for your sleep. Mm -hmm. Just like, it's just bad because it's the, it's like the, not, not just the sound because sound's not a bad thing, but it's the way that the light comes out in the pixelated way and like what it does to your eyes and all that. Like it just sort of disrupts sleep. No, I believe that. I, I don't mind it being on from a sound point of view but I will turn away from it which also means yeah. turning away from her which is kind of you know right. relationship but if you leave yourself toward it it the light flashing on your eyes I don't think that that's I don't think that's good either no but I how did we get onto TV it's in bed um, because I don't know that's a good question because God lives in the TV no I don't know but you're not supposed to have TVs in your bedroom no I, I, I'm passionate about that one I, I, I I'm um, I'd much rather 
read than... Well, because if you fall asleep with a book, then the book just sort of falls off you and off the bed. But if you fall asleep with the TV on, it just stays on. Or the way to do it is to do the little sleep button. They don't have the sleep button. They did. Our TV does not. You don't have the sleep button? We do not. If, if we 15, had one... 15, 30, 45, 60. It's the best. I am a horrible person. When I came here, my, my mother-in-law um, used to watch TV all night and then... Be, sorry, uh, used to watch TV all night and then sleep all day. She 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 was un, she was very unwell and 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 um, and I decided that I knew better than any medical professional and all the rest of my family somewhat arrogantly um, that colonial thing. And so I hacked the TV, uh, not like a big big hack, but I put the hours on it so it would switch off automatically at ten and wouldn't turn on until seven. And nice. then I changed the code so that no one else could ever change it again. And I did it randomly, so even I didn't know the code, so I couldn't be broken by the rest of the family. <laughs> so, so if you ever wanted to watch anything on the big TV downstairs after ten o'clock, it just didn't work. Luck, yeah. Wow! But that function isn't on our TV in the bedroom. I'm not sure if my wife chose the TV because it didn't have that function. Yeah. She is cleverer than I am. I mean, she's got two degrees. She's got. You know, she's like super smart. I mean, she married me. She's. <laughs> she's poor really judgment. Just... <laughs> uh, um, I think she thought she was marrying Hugh Grant pretty much until the last minute. Were you just having a phone? Like you were having a phone relationship? Was it like phone sex? Like <laughs> she had no. You were, <laughs> you're, <laughs> no, it was it was long distance. I I was. Oh, it was. The, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. The, um, so you gotta believe in God. You gotta believe in love. Like the distance of the well, world and the universe, it. man. Like you found each other. I held my daughter, so that. When I came back to the, my moment, a momentary lapse in my confirmed atheism. One was in a military system situation I cannot talk about. All right. Not with the radio. I'll tell you later. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, there's a, some good material there in its own right. The other one was my, um, my wife, uh, when she was giving birth, went into um, preeclampsia. Real it's quick. A, is that a bad thing? I don't know what very bad. Means. Uh, blood pressure was um, was falling very very quickly. Oh, um, and she was starting to get the shakes, uh, which is the onset of. Um, it's not a good situation. Gotcha. And so she was going to be having an emergency C-section. Uh, essentially, it was emergency, and they were going to back a truck up and just rip it out. It ah! <laughs> And is that what the doctor said? That's, that's they, great they bedside said, they, said it, it, they said that we're going to wind the Pitocin down, the drug that stimulates the childbirth. Um, and, and if we see no progress in the next 10, you'll be in in 11. <laughs> um, and, and it was serious, serious, serious. She was starting to have small seizures and it was, it was, it was not good. And I had this, there was this question, only one person could go into the OR with her. And it was either going to be me or the doula. See that white middle class thing coming back again. Um, and I said, it's got to be the doula because I, my medical knowledge is not that good. Um, and if somebody has to make a decision, I want the person with experience. Like if this is an IT security issue and you're being hacked, you want me, not the doula. Right, okay, right, That's right, a situation right. where you don't want Felicia in the room. Okay? You, want, you want Big John. Um... You don't want to be having a, I'm just going to start a conference call with John. No, you don't. It needs to be. You want the people with the knowledge and the experience in the room. And I've never felt so alone in my life. Oh. Alone and scared. And, and bear in mind, this wasn't happening to me. Um, 
and I just had DoorDash deliver some hummus from Orange. So I'm, I'm like, I'm like. You were feeling close to Jesus I, because I, you I were was, eating was, his foods. Yeah, I had my Mediterranean foods, and and uh, and I held my daughter for the first time, like eight minutes later. Oh wow! This was fast. This was. They, they said my wife said, "How long is it going to take?" And they said, "We're already in." Whoa! Um, you know, your your kidneys are over there. Um, <laughs> it's like a butcher shop in here right now. And um, sorry, darling. And I held her, and I have never felt so small in my life, never. Huh. And at that point, and I'd been thinking about these things. I'd re, you know, recount, re, recounted these stories of India and and and, and Africa and other times in my life and we've been talking about raising her you know, my wife is comes from a good methodist family and they are good people they are spiritual they are christian they believe in community they believe in helping one another it's just that good old-fashioned midwest values with a tinge of wesleyan thinking <laughs> what a drinking as well <laughs> and i just thought at that point okay i don't believe but no harm's going to come from it. Right. And tolerate it. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, to, to go along with this. But at the same time, understand, Bill Hicks was right. It's a zombie Jew. <laughs> That's right, he is. As long as you don't forget that bit, I'm fine. I'll, I'll live with that. Well, and as long as, I mean, I think that Jesus is good, but to a point, because you, I mean, anything can be super fanatical. and But they almost like, kind of certain sects of Christianity you wanted you to be really fanatical and especially as a kid and I really fell into that because I'm you know was very theatrical anyways so evangelical theatrical like suspending my belief all that kind of stuff I was like hell yeah I'm into Jesus but all of that kind of did do a number on me because I really believed like the Bible and all the things that all these people told me in this community like I believed that that was all right and then all of a sudden I was like whoa the world is so different and this is I am so naive and Jesus isn't real and all like it was just so scary when you find out that kind of stuff I got to tell you about the chaplain at the school oh yeah so I I went I I I went to um, a boarding school I was a bad little bastard there's no two ways about it Um, but like what you're putting peanut butter in people's shorts or what were you doing were you like you weren't murdering cats or anything? Were you? You I wasn't at the cat murdering bit, but I was at the you know should we put him into care or send him to military school point. Wow, did you were running out, staying out late, smoking cigarettes? No. no. Um, so I'm autistic. I, I have Aspergers. I have non, really? Non-standard presenting Aspergers apparently. So I can do the big things with numbers, and you know I have like a day. So the comedy is what I love doing, but I have a day job. I'm a director of product marketing for a big ass security company. Um, super cool. Designing firewalls and crap like that. But I have this um, persona that I adapted that helps me deal with life. Mm. So my natural inclination is to hate big crowds and people I've never met before. But because of the way I was brought up, the inheritance I got from my folks who ran hotels was I met hundreds of people a day. Hmm. So I just developed this persona that, allowed, that, that handles people on my behalf. Sounds a bit weird, I know, but I've got used to it. And um, 
So I, I joke about we have John and Jonathan. So John's the guy that, that handles the world, and Jonathan's the one that goes at home, and he's a dad. Huh. These aren't voices in my head. No, 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 no. But it's That's... just uh, it's a coping mechanism. So whenever I'm out, and you'll notice, like, now I have my nice jacket on with my puffed-up collar. That's John. <laughs> Jonathan dresses like a slob. <laughs> but you, I can't believe that you're high-functioning Asperger's because you do eye contact really well. We've been having a conversation for 50 minutes mm -hmm. and there's been no awkwardness or lull or... So this is just the persona of John this is, can do that. This is... No problem. No problem at all. And I'm conversational and, you know, it's my my dream in life would be to be one of the, the great raconteurs like Peter Utenoff or Dudley or um, Peter Cook or, you know, that would be just my... But I understand that it's a facade. Huh. Um, it's a facade I enjoy. It's like I've divorced, I put my ego into a different persona. And but who did your wife meet? Did your wife meet John or did she meet Jonathan? And does she know both of them? Well, obviously she knows both of them. She does and, and, and it became more apparent over the years. Um, I think probably most, I got to meet her ex. So my wife's ex's sister was my wife's um, maid of honor. Oh. Um, like trailer parks of Carmel Valley, <laughs> um, and and they're lovely people. Um, uh, they're from the Carolinas, and they're very. You know, her dad is a, an amazing person. Has accomplished a great deal in medical science and the like, and affiliated with Duke. Just good people. I was nervous as hell, <laughs> but I had my I had my uh, my waistcoat to protect me. It sounds really retarded, and I'm aware of this. But as long as I've got a defense, I don't have to use my outward personality, which is, I'd rather be a big person and a big voice than let you get to know the real me. Ah. So that's where the comedy comes in, because it's so, great, because I'm just like, okay, um, hey, quiet asshole, get in your box. We don't need you for the next 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and I can... Because the big asshole has also lost me jobs in the past time as well. So what? You're super funny, though. You're just really, like, clever and witty and personable. So what's your stand-up comedy like? Um, what's it like? Uh, I... So it, it varies. I love the writing process. I love the... I love... See, this is the thing. That's the, I love the intellectual challenge of creating something. First of all, there's nothing new. Mm. We're, we're all recycling old, but putting today's spin on it you know uh, today's Trump joke is yesterday's Nixon joke uh -huh. um, true uh, and so I love taking the uh, the influences that, that I had and making it relevant to today and then um, and I'm horrible one of the things I'm horrible with names and so I'm really sorry David I can't remember your surname but there's uh, not Stolowitz but there's another David down in the South Bay who is a pro and does only clean material. Oh. And I'm in, I'm in awe of that man. Because the British accent, if I swear, it's hilarious. <laughs> you know? yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's just, I can do 20 minutes of curse words and, and I'll, I'll, you know, blow the roof off the place. Right. But my thing is, uh, I love a good story with a twist. Uh -huh. I like a little darkness. You know, I loved Bill Hicks. Is it? That yeah, was my, yeah. Um, that was, uh, we actually... In this boarding school, we actually had bootleg tapes coming in. It's kind of old school. Yeah. And, you know, listening to um, to Pryor and Hicks and 
uh, Robin Williams and stuff and and just listening to albums on tape just, that were copied a million times in really poor quality and, and crazy and scratchy and we didn't understand the world that this humour came from hmm. like you know Arizona Bay we were like is that even possible? <laughs> Arizona Bay it's true there's no water in Arizona uh, come the big one there will be uh, the, uh, hey I, uh, Richard Pryor said something before he got on stage once. Someone said, "You know, what do you what do you want to do out there tonight? What do you what do you want?" And he said, "I just want the audience to like me." And I would don't yeah. And I I don't want the audience to like me. I want them to I want them to think, why was I laughing at that? Oh, that's interesting. I want it in an intellectual challenge. I hate lowbrow. I'm so lowbrow a lot of times. I I so I I did. I was really lucky. I did my first uh, my first real stand-up thing at Roosters. Be uh, early in the year, so I'd been doing comedy, but it was always part of my sales training. There was jokes about the fact that if I did a straight-to-camera sales training video, it would be 15 minutes. But if it was in a room with people, it was 45 minutes. Right. But most of it was just my jokes. Right. And then I was inspired to take the sales training out of the material. Right. And uh, I was really lucky. DNA was hosting, and so many people had come up that I got given um, the the feature spot. And I did my Make America Great Again stuff. And it's not the regular. There's no Trump jokes in it. It was literally. I'm from a British country. I'm from Great Britain. We've had great in the name for two thousand. What is it we've got that you want? It's <laughs> very funny. Uh, you know, it can't be our teeth. These aren't teeth. These are Tic Tacs that I super glued into the hole. <laughs> and it was just a, a contrast. And I wanted people to think they were laughing, and that was good. I have a big thing about immigration. Oh yeah. I'm good. not your regular immigrant. You know, yeah. Uh, myself, Raul, and uh, and Sanjay were taking it back. Um, <laughs> you know, and everyone's laughing, and you could see them thinking, "Why am I laughing?" It appealed at that good old level. And if I can keep doing that, that's my passion: is getting people to laugh without them realizing why. Huh. It's it's there's and the, the better the depth, the longer the the longer it will last. Right. Good material is so hard to create. Like yeah. laughs are cheap. Laughs that you can keep using and and repeating and get people thinking is that's where the real fun is. Yeah, I mean, I, I try not to. I mean, I I don't try. I try not to be political in my stuff, but I end up always being political. Like everything, all language is political. Blah blah blah. But I I end up doing a lot of feminist jokes and I don't want to be a heavy-handed feminist but it just I'm a lady and that's the way it is it's just like you doing British jokes it'd be like if you didn't do any jokes about being British and you have an accent then it was like you might as well harp on it because you it is you it's part of you it's how you were raised harp is the wrong word but no no it's a great opener but but you're 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 you know this is where I'm envious of you you're in San Francisco uh, what a be- what an awesome place to be a feminist! One place where it won't piss anyone off. Yeah, exactly. you know? well, it pisses everybody off because I'm the wrong. I'm, I'm a bad feminist here. I'm, a, I yeah. It's here everyone's so feminist that I'm like a bad feminist. But I'm like I'm a bad well, feminist. Do I have to be? What do I have to? No, I get called a bad feminist because I I will always like Bill Cosby. We all did. 
It's not I, I don't. I can't say did though. I still do. I mean, I know he's in jail or whatever for assaulting women in a terrible way, but it doesn't. I still like him as an artist and appreciate his work. My wife and I were talking about and this. Then I book him. If it was can. a morning, she went through a morning process. This was a big part of her. You know, there was family values that he imparted. Mm. And with humor, which is one of the best ways to learn. Sure. And, you know, she questioned, she had to, the, 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 the feminine part of her said, oh my God. And the other part of her said, you're fucking up my, part of my childhood. Part yeah, of, exactly. You, I respected you. This is not, this wasn't meant to happen, you know, and it was, uh, it, it's kind of, don't get me wrong. What he did was wrong. But you then see the other side, you know, you see the, 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 the Louis C.K. kind of thing. I'm like, really? I can't masturbate in public anymore? That's now a problem? <laughs> well, I, oh, I can masturbate, but not towards somebody. That's the line. Right, because on the BART, there's like two guys you know, right? on the way here, like jerking off, whatever. But the, I, I mean, I also don't necessarily have a problem with Louis C.K. because like if he wanted to jerk off in front of me, I'd hopefully be clever enough to say like yeah man you know whip it out but you better tell some jokes about your pathetic little wiener like while you're doing it but that's the strength you give me something you give me something if you're gonna get something out of this and i want you to do it in front of me to talk about your pathetic little wiener like you do all the time on stage all the time he talks about that on stage i'm like do one of your jokes but that's the personas and then that's his version of my issue that's having the multiple personas and knowing which one you can and cannot use in the right places Mm. um i don't have a wiener whipping out persona i'm if I'm disappointing you, I, but it's, unfortunately it's exploitative. It's, it's knowing your power and and, and using it. And I don't think that's ever, that's ever right. As a feminist, I finally am excited to like, you know, have the rights that men have. And I want to be exploitative too. Everyone's always going to exploit someone else. That's the way the world works. That's why God doesn't exist. And that's why it's terrible that the English people did to the Indonesians or the Indians and what we do to Bangladesh. I don't and think make we did go- the Indonesian. I think that was what, did we do that one? I don't, all, all I that don't think Indonesia was us. But us now, like the US, we've screwed up ba- like Bangladesh, where we make people make our clothes for no money, where we make them make our iPhones for no money, and then we don't treat them like people, but we want to be people, we're special people. Like all of that stuff is just, I, I, everyone's, humans are exploitative. That's how you make money. And so the problem is that guys get power and they exploit it. But it's called the casting couch for a reason. Like it was called a thing in the 80s and everyone knew it. It's like, why would it exist if it didn't exist? Like, yes, men will use their power to make women sleep with them women, and women will use their femininity and their sexuality to try to get ahead or even sometimes they don't and that's when it's exploitative, blah, blah, blah. But like as a feminist, I'm like, I want to be able to exploit some shit now. Like I want to like you know, cat call some men or, you know, grab a butt on the bard or something like, so, so let me, come, <laughs> so let me come back to the point. This is where I was saying about my, the, the, the line, which my chaplain gave him, and it's a lesson I want to give to my daughter. And it kind of brings every, everything you just said to one point. So our chaplain at this, this school, which had a military sort of semi-military background, it was, you got to bear in mind, this place was like Hogwarts. <laughs> I mean, this is in the, this is in the northwest of England. If you look at a map and you see the bit that juts out furthest into the into the North Sea, into the Irish Sea, the coldest, most windblown part of the country, that's where they put this school for little bastards. <laughs> and um, and 
the chaplain, and, and I forget his name, and I really wish I could remember it. He was a wonderful person. He was the most non-religious chaplain I've ever met. He, he, and he had this, this thing he said to us. Faith in God is a lack of faith in oneself. Wow. And it stuck, and it, and it was one of these weird things. I remembered him saying it. And I didn't really speak to anyone I went to school with for 20 odd years. A few years ago, the school was in danger of closing, and a load of us went back for school day, whatever it was called. And I asked a couple of them, I said, Do you remember the chaplain? And they, Yeah, yeah. You remember the old boys thing? And he said, Yeah, because there was a good number of us, won, a good number of old boys won Victoria Cross as the highest thing you can win in a medal you can win usually usually awarded posthumously mm. uh, you know the guy that you know took down a panzer with his teeth those kinds of you know uh, people and um, he gave both eyes and then his leg you know those kind of chaps and and and, and Hendy said oh yeah faith in God's lack of faith in oneself oh my god he did say that I believed this for 20 years wow. thinking I'd remembered it and, and you know what he was right I think so much when you think of prayer, isn't that just meditation on one's problems? You yeah, know, potentially. I, and if absolutely. you're going to solve the problem through thinking about it, and not thinking about Raoul and whether or not his loaves are going to race. Right. Wow. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. That well, that's that goes to the whole Buddhist thing too of like meditation and and self-reflection and but then it also works in the christianity thing because you have to confess your sins making so if you only you know it's the same aa thing the only way to acknowledge to fix the problem is to acknowledge that you have a problem and so when you go to your priest or you go to t- pray to god and go like you know i can't stop doing this or this behavior blah 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 and then you're thinking about it and it's almost like cognitive behavior uh cbt cognitive behavioral therapy mm-hmm no, it is. It, it's in, and yeah, this is where the, those principles come from. You, to focus on one's problems, the only way you're going to solve it, problems don't solve themselves, um, unless you're rich. Which case? <laughs> uh, That's exciting. If you're rich, donate to Mutiny Radio here. Absolutely. You can always just give us money in our PayPal at what is it? MutinyRadioFM at gmail.com. We like, we like, or go to our website, www.mutinyradio.fm and press the donate button. Even take the Bitcoin that's devalued by 75% in the last Did year. Did that happen? It's, it's down to like a value that no one cares about. Um, wow. I know so many people that like freaked out about Bitcoin last year and they were like, you've got to invest in Bitcoin. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Yeah, I just like it on the record. I did not use a lot of the company server infrastructure to mine Bitcoin. I did not do that. I don't even know what that means. I even watched a Vice thing on mining Bitcoin, and I still don't understand it. And if Vice is like news for dummies, you know, and I'm like, I still I like, couldn't get is it. Is it? I like, well, I mean, I like, I like that it take. for everybody. I like. I, like I don't like their co-founders, but I like their. I like their take. I, li- I like what they're doing too. They're exposing a lot of things, but they tried really hard to help me understand Bitcoin, and I just was. I'm still like, there's the servers, and you might it and then you say that people buy the currency it doesn't exist yeah but either does the money backing the u.s dollar so it's just about like which which structure do we want to believe in it's just like religion we all decided hey this little bill that looks like this means this and then the euro this things and then you guys are like we like the pound we like brexit's crazy brexit like brexit really I don't know. I mean, I we screwed up, and then America said, wait, hold my beer. We've got an idea here. Hold yeah. on. Well, 
I just we're going to turn the country into a reality show. But yeah, right. What was the point of being a part of the EU if you weren't going to use the euro? That's how I always felt. Like, why be a part of the, the only reason to be a part of the EU is to all share the same currency. But then, even when you go from country to country, things still cost differently because of. Yeah, however it's valued there so like food in Greece was super cheap and food in Italy was more expensive and I'm sure food in France is hell of expensive no no oh no completely the other way food in France is incredibly inexpensive really what? high quality food is inexpensive because it's a socialist thing with lots of subsidies going directly to the farmer to keep the cost of production down wow um, no, the, 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 don't get me wrong, I'm sure that you could get a million people to say things differently. The, the Euro and Europe, two completely different issues. It was a trading agreement. It was a free, it was some free trade between 27 countries. No tariffs on services or goods. Um, free exchange, so products could just move in easily between. Supply chains could be created, but also people could move as well. And that's ultimately what oh. caused problems because we didn't want poor people coming into the country because that offends one's middle class values. They don't go to the right church. <laughs> and um, you know, um, wow. And so the currency was less of an issue, and it it was unfortunately everything was going so well. Everyone thought they could do it on their own without support. Unfortunately, I think we're about to see sometime after March 29th, things are not going to be that way anymore. Wow. Um, same, same. You know what? This, you, Another thing I love about America, and I didn't understand it, as an outsider. So I've been traveling here since West Wing was new. <laughs> um, much of my career, I owe a ridiculous amount. So I became essentially a professional writer because of Aaron Sorkin. Uh, I wanted to be able to speak as elegantly and thoughtfully as his characters did. <laughs> his characters. I'm not joking. This is, this is a serious no, thing. I used characters. to use, I used to mm, and use the word like way too much. Mm, me too. Uh, I thought they were points of grammar. Now I just use swearing. <laughs> and I, I thought that this was, you know, everything that was wonderful about America was, was, was bound up in this. And it was for a time. But then as you get more and more successful, you kind of coast into easy mode. And we, I was, as an outsider, everyone, in previous uh, administrations, everyone said the power of the states. The states are what are going to, you know, derail Obama's, uh, you know, federalistic approach to things. And states' rights. I live in California. Yeah. Damn right. <laughs> Screw the other 49 of you. We've, we've got the money. We've got Teslas. What you got? Yeah, right. We got, we got weed, yo. We got weed. We got Teslas. And, you know, it's, um, you know. Is it the movie industry? We got, we got a lot of food. What I love is the fact that, that the Mexicans were friends with the Mexicans. Hell yeah! It's like they wouldn't. Here's the thing: it's like we're gonna shut the border. I'm gonna be like, really? Yeah. Have you been to San Diego? <laughs> Have you seriously? You're gonna shut the border in San Diego? Okay, fine. Um, this isn't gonna work for you. We we welcome immigration. It's yeah. like you know, most people thought I was Juan Garcia for years. <laughs> You're with the accent. Absolutely. We're uh, closing on down in our time. I'm sure you've got a real job to get back to, right? No, you don't. That's exciting. I'm uh, I'm hosting a, an event in town tonight. I'm oh, I'm, I'm doing I'm being a corporate shill. Oh, uh, fun! But the Salesforce Tower for a security startup thing. Neat. So Neat. no jokes. What are you just going to talk about Salesforce? No, no, I'm just... Oh, they're talking host, about security. They're, they're, I'm talking about security tonight. I'm, I'm hosting some startups are going to beg for money. 
Uh, um, they're going to tell people what their ROI is and what's how many an events. ROI? Return on investment. Mm -hmm. How many? How about Mutiny Radio? We have no ROI. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll want I want to get money. How do I get money from a start? I can't. Can't I be like? Well, it's not like a startup because we've been. I've been doing this for like five years now, but I still need money. <laughs> Give me some money. It, there's, there's, there is, um, there is a role for investment in the community and i think you would be a great model for that well wow. you give back and you create a platform and you think of how many comedians have come through here and gone on to better things and why aren't they giving you 20 percent <laughs> no yeah, that's the question how can they live with themselves well they're not tithing to their you know to the holy mary mother of god and and they should i wish um, they, would. they know the email address to paypal that cash to don't they yeah please if you're I no comedians listen to this show i have i have no idea who listens to this show we had great ratings last month though we had like fifteen thousand downloads for the month you had great guests I have, that might be part of it the, I probably this is going to be a lull no that's what don't be great no they're going to listen they're going to be people. like wait what's the english as english accent oh my god it's colonial repression again they get angry as soon as they, they'll be like no we want our tea with ice cubes in it. Help, help, I'm being repressed. Look at the violence inherent in the system. <laughs> I, got, I, I, got, I nearly got fired for putting that into a corporate blog. Wow, really? That's so funny, though. I mean, if you Google my name, you'll find my old corporate blog, and there is a picture of uh, a meme of, of it, and uh, just know that I got strung up by my curly whirly. Is, is that, I mean, that's got to be difficult line to dance, your work <laughs> life versus the comedy stuff. I mean, not that you're like doing a bunch of dick jokes or anything, but you don't think that like people at work knowing the comedy that, that can only, can it, you see it as only helping each other rather than maybe hurting it. Or? So I, um, the place I worked last was the best place I've ever worked in my life. Best group of people. We delivered everything the corporate soulless person would want 40% growth in uh, an EMEA, 20% growth in a $100 million business. And I did, ex you know, but I also put a ridiculous amount of John into that as opposed to Jonathan. Mm. And there was too much of my personality into that. I mean, I didn't, I took too many chances and I didn't, I, and I put too much really high quality comedic material into <laughs> what should have been a security event and so the feedback was always either that was amazing i learned so much or why do you let this person out of your building uh, why did you give him a microphone and I, and uh, are you familiar with the principle of ad hominem no i so a wonderful person called Aaron eddie taught me this one and i wish i'd been taught this at school i had a freaking latin teacher that could have taught me what ad hominem actually was so you believe the thing the person's saying but because they're an asshole, you're not going to listen. Interesting. And <gasps> Oh my God, I think people think that about me all the time. Oh, uh, I can't imagine that for a second. No, no, I, uh, I can do that excited girl thing on stage where it's like, look at me, look at me. And they're like, we don't want to look at you. Yeah, the, the, so the it's ad hominem. Sometimes you should shoot the messenger. And the uh, <laughs> message is great, but have someone else say it. And, uh, and, and basically my personality cost me a gig and, and a good group of friends I had, I had the perfect job where um i didn't work because i loved what i did so much and wow. unfortunately i screwed up but i always wanted to chance the line and so i made it my personal mission that every single corporate blog i ever wrote has a monty python reference in it. oh that's funny so um it security is like fish slapping 
um, the um, instead of network access control, uh, so network access control and the comparisons to a repressive society, which had the meme in it. Sure. Uh, and there's loads of them in there, and I was constantly um, sneaking them through. But you made things fun, and IT is so dry, and security is so dry. Is it just like? people have no senses of humor or they just don't want it they're like this is not the medium for humor the, the reality of security um he says you know being a corporate shield for a minute is that it's like being a fire uh, like being a um a firefighter mm. a good day nothing happens ah <laughs> that's right you're, you're you're investing for nothing sure. like th- th- my outcome is i don't want anything to happen and so the, the the roi is so 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 how many attacks did we beat all of them oh well what do we do next keep doing it right it's 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 a very so there's comedy has its play there is a darkness because i talk about uh you know when i'm talking about hacking and these things i do put comedy into it because you're challenging somebody's ego but why would somebody this is philosophical on the security tip why would some why is someone hacking are they doing it to make money is it all about money or is it just like they're bored like what i don't i mean i can't even conceptualize what hacking is to be honest with you like i'm like i already stole my information it, (laughs) it starts off with just exploiting structural weaknesses that's that's all it is infrastructural weaknesses the reasons for doing it the motivations for doing it are 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 incredibly human one you've got uh, these highly educated people that do not have careers in line with their expectations and they're acting out and that's how i ended up getting thrown out of school for you know so hacking is internal it's not just internal but um, you know, they want to use their capabilities and they mm-hmm. can't do them elsewhere, so they're going to do them here. And that, that's always existed. It's just that, you know, the, the kid in the back of the classroom not being paid attention, not having the opportunities, well, I'm going to create an opportunity. Right, I'm going to throw rocks at you and then right, you're exactly. right, yeah, negative attention seeking. Okay. There is a financial side of things as well, and there is exploited. You can see that in ransomware and malware attacks and, uh, and those kind of things, and that is, that is paying the bills. Um, you've got state-sponsored. Um, I'm sure the U.S. does not do any of this at all. Um, <laughs> and that's that is a, a just just a new version of warfare. Uh huh. Um, I just been so I just don't. I'm the least technological person that I don't even have a smartphone, and so it's hard for me to conceptualize people's like your whole a lot of your life you your child and your wife obviously and the comedy but then the other many hours of your life and day is spent on these weird little boxes that we invented like not that long ago but they're everywhere and they control everything like what would happen if the electricity went out everywhere well i'm i'm white middle class and live in san jose so i've got <laughs> tesla power packs i'll be fine um, or at least for a couple of days. No, um, it's um, society is incredibly reliant upon technology and systems that didn't exist ten years ago. It's crazy. Um, you know, can you imagine a world without Facebook? Um, uh, yeah, it was called MySpace. Well, I'm imagining. <laughs> I, I I like to say I, that's a bit I've been working out. It's John Lennon's new tunes. You know, imagine imagine a world without Facebook. <laughs> you you can't no, Twitter. No presidents to tweet at. Yeah. yeah. And so we're not 
unfortunately, these opportunities have been created to us. These infra this infrastructure has been created. But as a culture, we've not adapted at the same speed at its creation. You know, that, and that, that's the Silicon Valley, run fast and break things. Uh. And unfortunately, breaking things includes society, cultures, and communities. Right. Um, you look at the divisiveness. Do you think it's a coincidence that the, rea the, the result of the um, uh, Florida governor election, over a million people casted their vote? but it came down to less than a few thousand. I mean, when you're talking about devices and divisive yeah. and you're nearly one-to-one -one relationship. And I noticed that on that, when we did the elections, it was 50-50 on everything. Everything was 50-50. And it's, it's, and, and, and that is because the, the echo chambers that we've created and the security side of this is even more fun because, you know, most of the people listening to this will use the same password for Facebook as they do for their email account, which they, and they'll use a version of that for their back. And I, and I do that, but what's the problem? Well, once I've guessed one of them, I know your email address is probably going to be at gmail.com or at yahoo.com. If you've had the same Yahoo account and, and, and password for the last four years, then bear in mind that there's about 30 million people it's actually, like me. It's actually Hotmail. Uh, That's they, how gross I am. They haven't been breached for a while, but if you've not changed your password in the last five years, then I can probably get your password in about 20 seconds. Really? Yeah. It's a published list. What? Yeah. Yahoo I just, had I to give hand over money recently. I can't do more passwords. I can't remember. I finally get passwords I can remember, and then they make me change them. So that's why you need to be sponsored by somebody like Dashlane. <laughs> and I'm not going to call my shill for them, but um, I yeah. have a father-in-law, and he's a lovely man, and he writes his passwords down, or he uses the same version of them all the time, and it's like you're a security nightmare and you have access to pictures of my kid naked in a bath you know so yeah we're going to be changing that well naked in a bath is not a problem i mean i guess no none of it's that's the thing about pornography it's, it's not like, a problem for me line. it's a problem for the people that have the, a problem right the <laughs> problem exactly a problem for the people that have a problem it's just like pictures of naked women aren't a problem unless you're like standing you know underneath a statue underneath the boobs of a statue wanking your yanker uh, I'm so worried about the. Are you worried? You brought a baby into the world. Are you worried about the future? You feel pretty okay about it? I'm worried for the rest of the world. She's gonna be fine. She's gonna kick their ass. <laughs> right she's, she's got. She's got a. She's got an amazing mother who is one of the most determined, well-organized, thoughtful, intelligent people I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. And she's got a dad who is a raging sociopath um, <laughs> with an accent. So she's going to be well she's equipped to handle this one. She already, she, she uh, and I'm not proud and I'm not condoning violence. <laughs> she beat the crap out of a four year old the other day. Wow. <laughs> I was so, we, we you know, the, 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 we can't complain about the, 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 the ash situation because we're, we're on the good side of this. Oh, you didn't have to breathe it? How nice for you. No, I had to. Uh, it just wasn't being created by my house burning down. Oh. All my life. Um, I, uh, I, I've never been, as we approach Thanksgiving, I've never been so grateful in my life. And I mean, like, this is, I'm, this is as close to humble as I'm capable. Um, <laughs> I, but we, we, she'd been, the kid has been caged up in the house for a couple of days. Yeah, because of the air quality. Bouncing off the walls. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my wife did everything. We were wearing our mask to go outside. We put, you know, cat whiskers on them. We did everything we could. And she'd be like, wear it for three seconds and then start screaming. Yeah. So she got confined to, to confined to barracks. I took her to Kitopia at the weekend. 
which was, you know, like a hundred kids, sixteen different versions of flu. Um, yeah. And and the, and the ball pit alone. Well, the ball pit is just its own disgusting yeah. um, petri dish of humanity. And she's bouncing around in there, and all of a sudden, I'm just this this, this the reality of of life is there. It's like. This four-year-old looks at my kid who's holding this toy that she is really enjoying playing with, and he says he wants that, and he pushes her in the shoulder. I instantly feel sorry for this for this kid. He's four years old. He's looking at life. Nothing bad's ever happened to him. And then my kid comes at him with a two-one combination. Wow! She's smaller than him, but you know she's got uh, she's got that terrier spirit. We have Scottish terriers at home, and my kid was pretty much raised by one. <laughs> and she's just like, "I don't care about your size, Crookit. You're going down." Wow! She clotheslined a Seahawks fan. I mean, <laughs> um, couple couple of weeks ago, couple, well, last July, we were in Pewallop up in uh, up in Washington State. And they, they, um, they've got so much water, they have fountains that kids can play in. Can you yeah, imagine that? Yeah, it's just it's too cold for them to enjoy. Um, so she's playing in this water fountain. This kid comes up to her and pushes her out of the way. Oh, my kid just walks it off. No. My kid was thinking. <laughs> she walks around. She comes back. Soon The fountains die down. Someone presses the button. They comes up. She uses that as distraction. She runs at him. He's on wet ground. She pulls her arm up. <gasps> And she clotheslined him. Wow. And now, my kid is just wearing, because we'd been out cycling. So she was riding around the back. So she's just wearing leggings, bare feet. She's not wearing a top. Two-year-old top. Yeah, it's boots, fine. You know, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. And she's got, she's a little girl. She has like a boy haircut. No one yeah. knows. And this guy, big fat guy, I mean, he makes me look like, you know, one of Jenny Craig's finest accomplishments. <laughs> uh, goes, your son just beat my boy. And I just said, um, actually, that was my daughter. And he went, oh, oh, Junior, get your ass out of here. <laughs> I thought, that wow, that's a Me Too movement for a little boy. Absolutely. He was assaulted. Absolutely. He started it. He started she it. Finished she it. finished it. Damn right. See, like, that's the thing where I'm like, morality and children she she went for i'm mm, you're teach her to be confident that's good but absolutely but as, as long as she's not the biter as long as she's not the instigator no if um, she gets attacked she should always always defend herself but if she she as long as she's not the instigator coming at kids with scissors and shit like that no so this is where my, my wife is going to do the good christian methodist community thing mm. I'm going to give her all the bad lessons I got from the padre and the uh, from the chaplain and, and the other teachers. And I think the most important one is, if you're going to do something stupid, plan it. Plan it, yeah. If, yeah. if you're going to react to something. Although, if you're going to react... No, don't react. Plan. Right. So, acknowledge it happened. Understand you're going to take them down. But don't do it now. Revenge is a dish best served, you know, with a backhoe. Three days from now. Later when they don't remember. Absolutely. But then but then but then you probably don't feel good. I've tried to do revenge on people and I never feel good about it at the end. I ne- I don't ever take like or I get so mad and I'm like, Oh, I'm gonna take revenge and then I don't because it blows over and I don't care. And like really I'm gonna put that much energy into something like that. Come on, I don't have time for that. You I, know? I, I used to I will be honest with you. I have mellowed. 
Uh, and I, you know, a few people have commented on this. You know, something something bad happened a, a little while ago, and somebody said, "Oh my God, wait till John gets on his laptop. He's going to turn that person's life upside down." Oh wow! I still have those skills. Yeah, sure. And and I didn't. And that's because I just put the kid to bed and I'm exhausted. I'm yeah, see, bed. there's just no time. There was something, somebody really did some, there were some people a while in August that did some pretty mean things to me, pretty overtly, even on a radio show. It's terrible to listen to. It's very difficult. But people were like, well, aren't you going to, aren't you going to do anything? I was like, I just, I don't have time to fight evil. I only have time to do good. Like, I just don't have time. I don't have time. No, but I've got friends at the NSA who do have time, so you let me have those details. Oh, no, it's right. They're just, it's stupid little comedian stuff. I mean, it's, it was actually, it was bigger, but it was fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's is also small potatoes. Give me a break. That's why it doesn't matter what my, what my passwords are, because I have nothing for anyone to take. Like, what are you going to... Well, you don't know that, because we, once I've got your social security number... Then you find out, well, you don't find out that, you know, with your credit... I don't have any credit. Yeah, you wouldn't, you believe, you know what, the, the world has changed. You now only need 3% to buy a house again, not 20%. People just don't realize the world has changed in the last few years. Mm. So all of a sudden, I can use your details, buy a condo, rent it out, screw with it, and it's you that's going to suffer. Um, it, it's a real... I, I'm not... So the next thing I'm going to do, I'll talk about it, but... No, it's a real thing, but use a professional... Um, password um, app they are good there was a couple um, you know Dashlane's one um, that, that, that I've used in the past um, I use another one it's got red in the logo and I can't remember his name which is the family account and those things are there to help you they're not um, they're, they're probably one of the best investments the other thing is you use Facebook don't do public so only share with friends. Oh, no, but that's the thing. This entire business is based on Facebook because no, it's only the free that's platform. Why when you tagged me, when you hit me, I said, can you tag my public profile? Right. But Big John, I want the whole world to know about Big John. He's a moron and he can handle it. But John Garside with the pictures of the kid and naked in the bathtub. Right. That's not See, going into the, that's, my I keep pub, those lives separate. My, pub, my, my persona on Facebook is me. I'm me. It's, I, it's all for promotion. Everything's promotion. I am Mutiny Radio. I am Pam Benjamin. I think it's because I had a life and then did the com comedy thing. Right. That's, that's, that's yeah. the... the uh, my old life, I let that go. I don't have... I don't have a life. I don't have... I used to have a house and a car and a husband and dogs and a spa. I used to have all that stuff. Lexus. Ooh. But um, not anymore. I just... I let that all go. And so there's... But that's the thing. There's nothing... I mean... It's try to try to take. There's nothing to take. Are you gonna take my food stamp balance? Like you're gonna, you're gonna. Well, they'd like to, and they'll be in the next. They'll, they'll be hack the next into Congress. my. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll hack into my it. food stamp balance and like you know like oh god, don't take my seventy-seven dollars a month. I need it. <laughs> like, what are you guys doing? And I have a very, I have a very low overhead. I have a very, I, I exist on a very small. I economy. just like the fact that Whole Foods has a sign that says we take EBT. Yeah, they absolutely do, and they shame you before you have to tell them before you use the card. They do shame you. Really? Yeah. Uh, Trader Joe's doesn't. You can just use it straight up. Same thing with Walgreens uh, and Safeway. You just use it and press a button and it's fine. You can look like you're using a card just like anyone else. But at Whole Foods, they have to press a special button. So you have to say to them. Is that because they have to go through the list of things you are and aren't allowed? They're like, no, you're not allowed to buy alcohol and you're not allowed to buy hot things. At least with my food stamps. It's no big deal. The computer knows it. Oh. Um, and if I did, then the EBT would take off the balance of the fresh stuff and then I'd have to pay cash for the other stuff. It's no big deal. But at Whole Foods, they make you tell them. 
so one time they shamed me because I bought some foie gras and they were like foie gras with food stamps and you know calorie per penny it's actually not a bad deal like it's <laughs> it's pretty good I'm it sorry is. just because I'm poor doesn't mean I don't have good taste I love foie gras I fucking love it mm-hmm. but you know they haven't done any foie gras challenges on British Baking Show. They haven't done any like. They're they probably do, not. They're probably not going to. They do the game pie. The, well. Mm. The, the hand. The. What are they? Hand raised pies. I miss Mary. I miss Mary too. Um, is she dead? No. Because she looked. I mean, for a couple of for a couple of episodes, it looked like you know. Like she was the crypt. They were troweling it on. Right. Um, um, no, she looks great. I think she's got to be fine. Go, I, go I, on YouTube, and Mary makes a game pie. And the game pie is great, but what you really want is her recipe for cold, short pie cases. Right. So not the, but hot water method is usually what they use for a hand-raised pie. Usually it's a hot water. This is to make the Melton Mowbray. The Melton Mowbray pork pie is, I mean, apart from me and um, the St. James Bible, (laughs) one of our best exports. All right. But you can't get them because we're not allowed to export pork products to America. Wow. So when my mother came over... Because of the trichinosis or whatever. Well, my mother came over Thanksgiving. I can tell you right now, she did not bring any with her. Oh, wow. That's... Yeah. There you go. And enough enough British cheese to, you know, cause lactose intolerance for a lifetime. Yeah. That's... Britain has a lot of cheese, too. So you're having a big Thanksgiving tomorrow. Uh, we are. It's uh, uh, we have friends and family coming uh, from over. We always host. That's, That's awesome. my me and my wife put uh, put on a pretty good thing, and I mess around with it constantly. Yeah, well, if you like the British baking show, you got. Well, no, it's not that. It's my wife is very traditional, Midwest, mm. and I things I just don't understand. So apparently, strawberry jello, pretzels, and cream. Is a side dish. That's gross. Not dessert, but from Kansas and Nebraska, mm. you know, uh, I want some broccoli, carrots, mashed potatoes. I want some jello would go good with these. Obviously not with a Dick Van Dyke accent. I just don't have a Midwest. <laughs> you all sound like Yosemite Sam to me. Uh, yeah, that that sounds not that doesn't weird. sound that doesn't sound right to and me. And cranberry fluff. I love cranberry, not cranberry fluff. I love cranberry. Though. So you take. Cranberry. It, the quantities are a pound of cranberries, a pound of grounded up uh, red delicious, a quart. Hold on, is it which is the regular cut, regular size of a um, not a li- no no in, over here, it's a a thing of whipping cream. A quart, a not pint. The, is it a pint? A pint is sixteen ounces. The regular yeah, so, so one of those, and a pound of sugar, and you blend that together. That's cranberry fluff. Oh, I just make. It's like the Midwest can't do anything unless it's got a pound of sugar in it. Yeah, ew. Yeah, that's it's, not my. Game. And the lovely people, we we still do it on some lemon. We still do it, but we don't put the sugar in it. But yeah. my my family goes crazy for their cranberry fluff. Huh. Like we have to make like when I go home tonight, I will be grinding apples and cranberries through midnight. Wow, for the special fluff. Cool. Yeah. Otherwise, no chance of that extra kid. <laughs> No, I intend to be an alcoholic. So I, I'll be honest. I invested in children because of alcoholism. Well, and it's that 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 why you can say, "Hey, kid, go get me a beer." No, I want the I want the stem cells and kidneys. Oh. Like, I'll go get my own beer, but I'm gonna want I'm gonna want a transplant at sure. some point. Fair like, enough. You love your daddy. Give me a kidney. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got two. That steak and kidney pie. I've always found oh. that gross. No, you just you know what? You've got to clean the kidneys. Right. The problem is if you don't cut the kidneys in half and remove the the little um, the little tracks from mm-hmm, inside, mm-hmm. you get that and, and wash them. Same with liver. You've got to wash them out, cut them and wash them. Otherwise, you get the ammonia in them, oh. and that's what gives you that bit. And also the you, the kidneys, you want to sear them, but not cook them. You want to sear them and then throw them in the pie so they cook slowly in the pie. Right. Otherwise, you cook it and hard, they just turn into little rubber rocks. Yeah, little, yeah little, and uh, it's just cat food. Vile. I wouldn't even feed my cat that. Yeah, man. You, you, the, um, you said about British food. I'll be honest with you. A younger version of me, yeah, there was not a lot good <laughs> with British food. British food in the 70s and 80s was pretty grim. But, but Gordon Ramsay's doing things. And we gave you Gordon Ramsay, not from a culinary point of view, but to teach you how to swear properly. <laughs> um, what did you give us? I was in London a couple of weeks ago. There's a Chipotle. Oh, that's so gross. Well, we just, we don't have any food no, You couldn't here. send Livex? I mean, you sent Chipotle, poisonous pork barbacoa. You couldn't yeah. send Livex and some orange sauce in, instead. I mean, you know, our special relationship, send good Mexican food, not, right. not Chipotle. That was just rude. No, look, Chipotle's gross. Uh, La Salsa is better than Chipotle. It's too bad they didn't get down there. La Salsa was a chain that was in San Diego. It's good. They had good. They were very good. But Chipotle, I've never, I've never appreciated them. I, uh, when I was low carbing, I'm, I'm not now, as you can tell. <laughs> uh, when, when I was visit, when I was traveling to America, Chipotle was my go-to huh. for a burrito bowl because it was. But this is this is this is before they started killing people. Uh, oh right, I actually. This is when Chipotle was actually quite good. I got. Um, to be paid once to be on one of those things where they ask you questions. What is it called? Um, oh, panel. Yeah, the research panel thing or whatever. And they gave me a $150 um, visa card. It was so exciting. And they had me answer questions for two hours about what would change my mind about Chipotle. Because it was right after that whole thing where people got sick and blah, 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 blah. And they're like, what can we do differently? What do you like? What do you not like? And the thing I kept saying was fish tacos fish tacos and they were like that that's not going to happen and i'm like rubio's has fish tacos i want more fish there's only I can't one do rubio's. i just <gasps> i'm sp- i live in san jose i've got levix I, it's just i don't I'm, i don't know if this levix we got levix and we've got uh an iguanas uh home of the burrito zilla i'm someone will correct me on that one did you know that san jose was the um town where the food truck was invented I can believe it. That the food truck was invented. The first like taco truck food we have truck. The cheese, me, me and the cheesy bandit have got have a relationship. That sounds good. It's, it's not. It's cheesy not. Cheesy bandit. This, they they do a, they do a grilled cheese with real English cheddar. Interesting. And it's um. I mean it, it's dark. I mean, <laughs> it's dark. There's things like, I've done like with I, there's too. things I've done with their cheese grills that I haven't done with my wife. <laughs> wow. That's a fun way to wrap up this Some Call Me Tim. Uh, John Garside, you are so entertaining to speak with. And what a, jo- what a joy to have on the podcast day on Some Call Me Tim with your own English references. I'm sorry that I made the assumption that the English were anything like the French because they're something We've about We've gone to war with them to prove the point. And, yeah. good no- and, and this whole Brexit thing is just another one of them. I mean, it's this is where the French said... You do realize we have most of the food, asshole. You know, they, <laughs> we're going to win. You're going to be boiling in a bag again. It's going to be the 70s all over again. Um, you know, Gordon Ramsay's not going to. We're now looking. If, if Brexit happens, 
then all they can look forward to is chlorinated chicken from Kansas. <laughs> Seriously, they want a free trade agreement with America so we can import chlorinated chicken. When did you buy anything that tasted of, um, of Domestos or Clorox that you know was something you wanted to eat? Oh, man. I, I feel really terrible about our little chicken industry and thing, but I knew when um, 45, our president... Um, elected or whatever appointed Purdue. Purdue to be the secretary of agriculture. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, okay, they used to be called lobbyists because they weren't allowed in, they had to be in the lobby. They weren't actually allowed in to make laws. That's why they were called lobbyists and they were lobbyists for large corporations. And you just take you take the you cut out the middleman. Cut out the like, middle, Just stick him right in the government. Just why, stick him right in. Why didn't you just get the minister of beef to be, you know, someone from Tyson's? Right. Just, exactly. It, it's, it, it just it doesn't make any sense to me. It's the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And Betsy DeVos, of course, you know, I mean. Well, she actually. There are the funny thing about Betsy DeVos is that there are quotes that I found of her on the internet from before she was appointed saying we gave more money to this campaign what am i going to get out of this <laughs> and what did she get out of it oh you can be secretary of education like what do you learn in america fake it till you make it i guess or just ask for uh, maybe that's the problem i'm not asking it's because she asked she said you know what i gave you enough money now i'm asking for an appointment and then there, there you go that's mm -hmm. how it works money i mean it, I, it's very, I tisked, I tisked the concept of money, but after that's, America bit, is money. After two and a bit years in government, he's finally appointed a ambassador to South Africa. Oh. She's not going to be going to the, um, to Norweto to see the people where I lost my religion. She's going to be in Turban and she's going to be in, um, in Cape Town. Cape Town. In, in, enjoying the white life. Right. Yeah. So there's she's going to have a great time. Some great restaurants in Cape Town. Oh man. Yeah. Good fish. Like, oof. No water, good fish. <laughs> no water. They got less water than California. See, the world's falling apart. But And what will save it? Not greed. So, and not, we'll, we'll bring it around, but, but not harp on it. The thing is, like, I feel bad for the chickens that get put in the tiny cage and they chop little beaks off and we're like, oh, don't do that. And we, all the Californians were like, we're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to hurt the chickens. And... And those are just chickens, right? That we don't want to eat. But the, there are people. There are people that need help. There are chickens in cages. There are people that poop into nothing. Like we even even that's another country. It's happening right now. It's happening right. But like even inside, like in the, in our own country, there are so many like solvable problems if we can sort of take greed out of the equation and these, you know, like the. The thing with the San Francisco, we all voted on this thing that big corporations that make more than $50 million a year, they have to give point half a percent mm -hmm. to the homeless fund for the for housing, for affordable housing and to get homeless people off the street and just cure this problem. And we all voted for it and everyone's like, hooray! And it's going to be in legal proceedings for the next 10 years. It's never going to happen. Mm -hmm. They're never, it's never, the only person behind it was the Salesforce guy. And, and, and who, who probably does more for us as a society than anybody realizes. When you call up that call center, your information's in a Salesforce system. You know, that, that's, they're not just doing sales. It's customer relationship management. Whereas, you know, what's Twitter done? Well, they 
make people feel bad about themselves. I was trying to be positive. I just couldn't <laughs> get there. I'm glad you helped me on that one. No, this is the thing. They don't, they, they've contributed nothing. And Jack Dorsey, who has so much capability, such an amazing thinker, and says, well, there should be a different way, but I don't know what it is. I'm like, dude, you created Square. You created Twitter. You have been at the forefront of enabling people to grow culturally and as entrepreneurs. And you think half a percent off your top line is the end of it uh screw you and your tesla well that's the that's the greed thing how much do people truly need how much do they how much do they want and how much they need and when do when do wants become needs and then i can't live without you need another you need another podcast where we can talk about progressive politics and and and, and we could give some contrast because the right winger is still within me just you know, with a, a lifetime of experience that knows what does and doesn't work. You, you need to be able to succeed because you want to pass it on. That's human. How much do you pass on? Uh, that's the bit that's at first uh, debate in society. I'm a Marxist. I'm straight up. I'm like, if, n- there is no public property. People don't pass on things to their family level. I don't, I'm a, t- I'm a hardcore Marxist. I believe in those precepts, baby. He had like 10 of them. He's like, this is communism. I'm like, yeah, no, I get it. You have kids. Oh, no, I went to Cuba and I was with you. I loved Cuba. I really did. Before, before I, you know, became an American, uh, I enjoyed the privileges of being British. Uh, and I spent real time. No, I didn't just go to the resorts. I mean, I actually spent time in, uh, Sifuigo and, and in, uh, uh, God, it's so long ago now. Uh, in uh, Trinidad de Cuba, and you know, went through the revolution, and I and this was part of me. I I really loved it, and at the same time, when yeah, it's fantastic and it's real, and it's also in complete contrast to uh, human uh, ego, right? And, and capitalism, and, and not <laughs> even ca- capitalism, but just wanting to take care of your community means passing something on. Might not be you know passing on to community and not just to your son or daughter, but passing something on. Retention of property, like I said, it's. Uh, well, but retention of property only works for property owners. If you're if you rent, then then it's like. But then it becomes then that's one of the problems with what's going on in America is the haves versus the have-nots, the renters versus the owners. And do you know in the 1849 there was a we had lots of political parties. We had like 16, and one of them was called the anti-renters, and another one was called the pro-bank Democrats. And I think that's very funny because it seems like what's happening right now. I love the, the, the Robin Williams. He had that bit about, um, I don't mind the corruption as long as they wear badges like NASCAR. <laughs> and I think that's... that's Coca-Cola! Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sponsored by whatever lobbyist it is. I yeah. Mean, it's, um, you know, it's uh, it's reality. Uh, hey, sponsor Mutiny Radio. Give us some money. Thank you, John Garside. We could continue. We could go on forever. We'll have you back, and uh, we'll find as your you can let us know how your child is growing. And when start to Charlie and Lola, and I bet you'll have a baby very quickly. I will. We will. We will investigate Charlie and Lola, because then it just makes them with. want a little sister or a big brother or whatever. Yeah. And it's a really fun show. And it's not boring, and it's really funny. It's really funny. I can't believe anybody's still going to be listening after an hour. No, of course not. Why not? Absolutely. Do you mind if I just shout out my gig? Please, please, please. Do all your shouting gigs gigs. So San Jose Improv, uh, 2nd of December. I'm supporting uh, Kamir Singh. Um, And uh, if you go to my uh, tweet, which is uh, my tweet, Big uh, uh, Big British John? I forget what my own Twitter handle is. Big British days. John. J-O-N, uh, not J O H. Big John Brit. Oh. Big John, yeah, well, you know, democracy means someone else got there first. 
Big John Brit, no H in the John, we couldn't afford it. Um, and there's a, uh, there's a link there, and there's a promo code for $5 tickets. $5 for San Jose Improv. It's not a bad... It's not a bad deal. That's bad great. Deal. And, so and Kabir Singh is very, very funny. And obviously, if people listen to this, they know you're hilarious. I think we, we, we're just coming at it from different angles of colonialism. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see how it works. That's so funny. Are you emceeing or who's emceeing this gig? No, it's his gig. This is his special. Oh, good. Um, I'm, I, I supported her. He very kindly gave me a gig um, up at Cobbs a, a while ago. Nice. And so, um, and this time I you know, don't have to travel two hours. Fantastic. <laughs> well, everybody, December 2nd, go to Improv, go see Big British John. Kamir and here. Jeremy Curry. So. Oh, right on. Yeah. Good That's lineup. Good. It's a good, it's, it, 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 it should be. If anything, I just, you know, kind of take the edge off it. Well, you're, 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 you're very funny and you're very personable. So everyone is going to, everyone's going to love you and they're going to get right in there. Yeah. I am going to the Midwest tomorrow, and I am afraid that they are not going to love me. And I am very nervous. Whereabouts? Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm performing. The home there. of the possum pouch. I did. What's a possum pouch? That's the Bill Hicks jokes. Why he why he why he wanted to get off the road because you know he loved the he loved the possum pouch in uh, in Arkansas. Well, in Little Rock, Arkansas. That's. I fly tomorrow all day to go to Little Rock, Arkansas. Just four stops on Southwest, I believe. Oh well, it's two actually. Two. Yeah, it's Vegas, and then it goes it goes from here to Vegas, and then from Vegas to Little Rock. Uh, but I have four shows at the Looney Bin, and I am. I don't think I've ever been as nervous for a show because I, these people are scary. And I do, I'm afraid they're not going to like me because I'm a they, weirdo they have, Californian. They, they have to leave their guns in the car. <laughs> it, they love guns and gravy. I, it's going to be... He wrote his Waffle House bit after doing a gig in Little Rock. The whole thing about the, the, the waitress saying, what you doing? Reading. Why are you doing that? He wrote that after getting Little Rock. There's a backstory. But the guy telling me was the guy who was emceeing. I when I went to Cobb's and I saw the green room, it was like that was a religious experience. Sure. And someone said, "Yeah, no, that's the that's that's the uh, that's the shower where Bill took an underage girl in, and that's the uh, that's the that's the table where Robin did tram lines the full length, all 16 feet." Wow. Um, he possibly was gilding the lily just a little. Sure, bit, but sure, was, sure, sure. You know. Exciting anyway. stuff. No, I love it. Cobbs is always Cobbs is super fun to do. Story Moyd has helped me out with that a couple of times, so shout out to him. Well, thank you, John Garside. You've been lovely. This has been some call me Tim. I've been Pam Benjamin. We'll be back next week. Um, tune in to Fridays, Pam Jassy's Comedy Clubhouse, and Happy Hour. It's going to be guest hosted by Capital Pilcrow because I'm going to be in Little Rock. Hey, now that I finally understand how to do Instagram, I'll be sending pictures from there of my whatever I'm doing. They have Instagram in, in Little Rock? Well, no, they have it everywhere, but I just joined Instagram this week because I was like, I'm never going to do this, and I did it for the station. It's all for the station. I would never. I, I can't imagine that people do this. They take pictures of themselves, and then I have to look at them, too. They take pictures or selfies. It's a selfie, selfie world. I just can't even. Like, people think they look that good. Like, I'm constantly worried about my wrinkles, and I don't wear makeup. I don't want you to see me. They have filters. My wife told me. I don't do Instagram either because... I'm old and fat and, and <laughs> full of wrinkles, and, and but apparently there's a filter for it. <laughs> well, Jenny Craig and filters. Those are my. That's my future. Yeah, Jenny Craig food's no good. Enjoy your cranberry fool tomorrow. Mm, thank you. Uh, this has been Pam Benjamin again. John Garside, look him up. And this has been some call me Tim. Bye. Happy
Now, for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2019, applications open until November 30th for 25 shows in five days, 40 comics chosen March 1st through 5th. 2019 for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's our fourth annual, and we hope you apply from whatever part of the nation or international comedy scene you come from. Apply now through November 30th. Go to our website, www.mutinyradio.fm, for more details. Aloha, mutineers. Stolowitz here. People ask me, Dave, why do you spend so much time listening to mutinyradio.fm? Well, the answer's simple to me. It's the love I find here. We've got so many great programs here. There's something for everybody, surely. Well, maybe not the Hitler crew, but you know everyone else. Let me tell you about some of my favorite shows here at Mutiny you may not have heard about. Labor and Love with Bill Morgan is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 noon. Bill is passionate about labor, jazz, and solidarity, and he tells you how it is. No BS. If somebody gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. I always learn a lot from Labor and Love. It's educational and inspirational. The Common Thread Collective is every Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. with legendary octogenarian hate Ashbury activist Diamond Dave. With help from his friends, Dave talks news, wisdom, progressive activism, and spirituality. There's also open mic time for music, poetry, and stories. Comics gotta hold off till happy hour, though. Oh, and check out Flat Black Plastic with Scott Walker, Saturdays from noon to 2. The title says it all, classic vinyl albums with no apologies. Great stuff! You can listen in live to these fine programs on mutinyradio.fm or download the podcast at your convenience on Apple iTunes. What a deal! Authentic, real San Francisco love. That's what keeps our ship afloat. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be... Like in front of an audience? Like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship 
as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> For all your space chicken sci-fi comedy non-political humor needs, go to timstesseract.com. Read fiction about the future of San Francisco after the water wars of 2121 in Jane 6. Ask a Jedi for important life hacks. Eat flesh with the bare exoskeleton contessa. And check your horror horoscope on Horoscopia. Updated every three parsecs. Timstesseract.com. Timstesseract.com. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm for... Let's 
let's watch a full length movie on YouTube. We watch the best movies that uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen. By uh, here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch My friends out at Mutiny Radio. Jester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as Moofy's over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Fantastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission, where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off for, <laughs> it's in duty this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer cottage in the mountain ridge for the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcasts and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download it for free. But we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. You'll laugh off your tushy and save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exciting for you mutiny radio listener there are six new shows here at mutiny radio.fm monday nights at 10 o'clock it's time for free phone sex 415-550-0511 yes call in for free phone sex you will be recorded it is a podcast but will that phone sex be free absolutely 10 a.m. Mondays. It's time for Everyday Conversations on Race with Everyday People. With Sima Lieberman, Everyday People, talking about race every week. Different Everyday People, talking about race. On Tuesdays, 10 o'clock, it's Spiritual Psychology with Renee McKenna. Meditate. It'll heal ya. Then, at noon, stick around, Sergio Novak. <laughs> Right, Mutiny Radio listener, you are listening to MutinyRadio.fm and .sf, and we are streaming live. I also, we have a podcast happening uh, all the way. We have a Zoom call interview all the way from England. That's it's so crazy. In the age of Zoom, we all uh, get to know each other and meet each other here on the interwebs. I am joined by John Cheatham. Hi, John. Let me give you noise. Ha, ha, ha. There we go. There we go. Hi, John. Hi, Pam. Hi. Oh, can I, can, I can hear you fantastically. That is great. Perfect. Perfect. So you're um, an author. You have a new book coming out. You survived a mob hit? We need a little. Give us some crazy background on, on John Cheatham and the amazing book that's coming out and what's been going to be happening with your uh TV miniseries that is unnamed. It sounds like some really exciting stuff happening in uh, in your life during COVID times. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, 15 years ago, working for a real estate company, 
in, in England, I, I was asked to assist an American bloodstock dealer from Kentucky to buy an old abandoned racetrack in Bulgaria before Bulgaria joined the European Union. So um, I went out there and got the deal agreed. Uh, I then went back to complete the paperwork uh, and uh, the Russian-Bulgarian mob shot me threw me over a bridge. What? Over a racetrack? Yeah. And, but it wasn't even, they were going to get their money, or they didn't want, it was all a ruse. They, they didn't want the American to buy it. The, the Bulgarian mob wanted it. And so the Bulgarian mob shot you. Where were you shot? Through my leg. Through your leg? Uh, Straight through my right, right leg. And that it didn't hit a femoral artery. I mean, obviously you're live. You're talking to us, which is uh, yeah, exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I spent four and a half years on crutches, though, learning to walk. Wow. So it, like, hit the bone, or did it just ruin all of the yeah, muscle? It, or it, it, it completely shattered the bones. Oh, my God. So did you start writing? Did you write before this incident, or was it this incident that sparked? It was that, that, that incident and having time on my hands um, that kind of brought me to writing. Uh, I'd, I'd been interested when I was at school and stuff, but life takes over, sort of work and whatever's going on in your life takes over. Yeah. So... Um, I didn't have a great deal of time. I was always working, always busy. And then when that happens, you suddenly find you're at home for four years. (laughs) So COVID's easy for you. You're like, B, I've been at home for four years. What are you talking about this? uh, Oh no, you have to be in your house for four months. Poor baby. It's like four years. Wow. Yeah, this this lockdown is just a (laughs) warm-up. So, uh, is your book non-fiction, or did you write a fiction book based off the... No, it's not non-fiction. It's going to be the the gritty truth about everything that happened out there. Are you not afraid that they're going to come after you again? I mean, it's the Bulgarian mob. They're not going to come after me. I I survived them once. There's no chance. I'm a tough Brit. Yeah, I mean, four and a half years, shattered leg. But you can walk again. Yeah, yeah, I can walk walk almost normal. Wow. Uh, But you still have a real job. So this is like... Yeah, still back, back in real estate, doing what I've always done. And just so, did you get an agent and a manager, or how are you? How did you? How are you putting out this novel? Do you have a publishing company no, you're going I, through? I, or? I, I, um, I, yeah, there, there is a TV producer meeting me next week <gasps> in London to take care of all that. Wow, that's really really exciting. Did you? Now, did this all come about? Because of COVID, once you were on lockdown, you had the ability to kind of 
sell your wares or talk to people about what happened or was it has this been in the works for many many years uh, uh, you know yeah a little bit just before lockdown i was at a uh, sportsman's dinner you know sportsmen that have retired they did sort of like charity events sure. I, I was at one of one of those with uh annette boxer uh, a lightweight boxer, and in walked uh, a lady from from my local area who was the first female world champion boxer. Wow! And uh, they're they're doing a film in Hollywood about about her, and she she knows me from old. She grabbed hold of me and said, "What's all this story about Bulgaria and you?" She said, "I've heard a little bit." What's going on? And I, I told her briefly. She said, right, I've got an agent in London that wants to talk to you. He'll ring you on Monday. And then lockdown came. Yeah. Uh, and we've not, we've not been able to meet. We've, we've been sending the odd email and the old conversation. But he emailed me last week and said, look, lockdown's been lifted now. How are you for the end of July? coming to London to meet me to get this done. Fantastic. Hey, that's, I mean, well, it's terrible that COVID happened and everything got shut down, but that you still have the connection and, and that, because this is a really exciting project. Also that it involves, you're a Brit, you were brokering on behalf of an American in Bulgaria. Like it's, it's just, it's like a, it's kind of a, a mind twist of what's going to happen. And all the cool accents. Like, what does a Bulgarian accent sound like? <laughs> it's gonna be... It sounds like, yeah, average Russian. Oh. All right. So Russians. So how did you get involved with the Americans to broker this racetrack deal? That just sounds so. I, uh, I, well, uh, this is the tale at the end of the, 